There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Unplayable Podcast, Sam Ferris here. And on today's episode, we previewed the Vodafone Pink Test at the SCG. To do that, we chat to former Australia Fast Bowler and McGrath Foundation President. Kind of gives it away, doesn't it? Glenn McGrath. But before we hear from the great pigeon, we welcome back cricket.com.au senior writer, Andrew Ramsey. G'day, Rambo. Hello, Sam. Um, I'm not sure of bird I can be compared to, but uh, it, w- it certainly wouldn't be far below the pecking order of the pigeon. A duck, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be suitable. Okay, uh, Rambo. First show of the new year, twenty twenty one. Have you got any New Year's resolutions? Uh, yes, it's to master Zoom. Um, I think there's probably some YouTube videos on this. So I have all sorts of issues coming off mute and unmute. So if I disappear halfway through this, you'll know what's happened. But uh, that's probably my preeminent one. Um, there's a secondary one somewhere, but I won't share that just now. Fair enough. Um, we are recording on Zoom today ahead of the third Vodafone test match, the pink test. It's going to be played at the SCG. It's been in the news a fair bit lately, Rambo, just about crowd sizes, if the game will actually be played there or not. Maybe it'll play a second game. Who knows? Can you tell us about uh, the state of the third test, the capacity, and who can and can't attend? Uh, yes, interesting, isn't it? Like it's, you have to, two fairly gripping test matches. Uh, most of the conversation since Melbourne has been about the venue rather than the game. So uh, I think that's a bit of a sign of the times, isn't it? But uh, yes, I think uh, Cricket Australia in consultation with New South Wales government and New South Wales Health have uh, arrived at a 25% capacity figure for the crowd. So according to cricket configuration, which is I think capacity of about 38,000 for cricket, it's about 9,000 or so per day, um, all socially distanced. Uh, so that'll be, uh, at least there'll be, a venue, there'll be a crowd in there, um, but it will be a significantly different test. Uh, they're trying to make it as much of a, a regular pink test as they can, but there's going to be a lot of things that are uh, eerily dissimilar. So um, interesting to see how that goes. Uh, and hopefully, as was mentioned yesterday, if there is a, is a marked change in the, the situation in New South Wales, the SCG are ready to, to increase that number if they get the, the approval from health authorities to do so. But uh, that's the, the state of play as we stand. Yeah, and uh, they're also on standby, the SCG, to host the fourth test if numbers, if those COVID numbers do get a little bit larger and, and uh, the players, the teams and everyone involved can't get into Queensland. So that'll be a bit of a rarity to uh, test matches played at the same venue in the same summer. Uh, back to back, indeed. This is all part of the, you know, the COVID world as we've come to accept it. Uh, you have to have a contingency plan. So Melbourne was producing a, a spare pitch during the, the Boxing Day test just in case problems arose and they couldn't get into Sydney, so they would have played a second test there. Um, and I guess your know, prudent management's mean you have to have a, a fallback position if something happens between now and 
start of the fourth test in Brisbane that prevents teams or broadcast crews or whatever from travelling. So, yes, they'll be ready to roll that one out if need be. Um, but uh, as Nick Hockley from Cricket Australia said the other day, the plan has always been to honour the schedule as it was laid out. And so far, three out of four tests, they've looks like they've managed to do it. So, fingers crossed, they can get four out of four. And as we know, the restrictions for the players in the, in the hub, in the bubble, have gotten a little bit tighter uh, so I'm sure they'll be keen to get out there and play and let's talk about the players themselves and some selection stuff Rambo uh, Justin Langer spoke today on Tuesday about the state of the Australian 11 uh, we know that Joe Burns won't be there he's been admitted from the squad he's back playing for the Brisbane Heat and did really well on Monday night so there's going to be at least one change there. Uh, who's it going to be, Rambo? Is David Warner fit? Is Will Pekoski fit? Uh, could we see maybe more than one change? Uh, yeah, there's a few dot points there, isn't there? Uh, David Warner, by his own admission, isn't 100% fit. But uh, according to Justin Langer, he's so close to being fit that he's, uh, in quote marks, very, very likely to play. Um, he said that he will be a bit restricted in where he's able to field and what he can do in the field. So he'll be resuming that first slip spot that he uh, took at Leeds when uh, Steve Smith was out with concussion and took a couple of uh, quite freakish catches there, as I recall. Um, But he also, Justin Langer said that uh, playing him, he'll play with pain, but there's very little chance that he'll suffer any damage to that injury he's already got uh, unless he does something similar in the field as to what he did to sustain it in the first place, which was throwing himself across the turf in a sort of combat role and uh, managing to rip his groin in three places in the process. So um, he'll have to battle through a bit of discomfort, um, but they think it shouldn't be enough to, to restrict him in his batting and uh, he'll field in the slips. So that will be the, the main change there. Um, as for Will Pekowski, who, of course, hasn't played since he was concussed in that tour game at Dremoyne, he's been given the all-clear. He apparently visited a independent... Uh, neuroscientist, neurologist uh, during the week and was given the all clear to resume playing. Um, the good, the extra good news for Will was that the, this consultation suggested that uh, the concussion he'd suffered on top of the other ones he'd had earlier in his career won't have any longer term detrimental effects for him. So uh, it's just a question of whether there's a spot in the 11 um, and I guess that's uh, a discussion for the selectors because there's an extra opening there that no one ever mentions, isn't there? No one ever says. Marcus Harris is in the mix, but he's there in the squad, so his name must surely feature in a discussion somewhere along the line. And Matthew Wade, who's turned himself into an opener. Yeah, got plenty of options. What are we thinking? Is it a case for David Warner to come straight back in? Perhaps Will Bukowski open alongside him to make his debut? That puts Matthew Wade back down to the middle order. Maybe Travis Head makes way. Does Cameron Green play? If it's going to be a slow wicket, I'm sure they'll appreciate having that extra fast bowler uh, handy there to get a few overs out of him. Or as uh, Justin Langer said, that the selectors had even talked about how Will and David haven't played a lot of cricket in the past couple of months, uh, being out injured. So maybe David and Matthew Wade uh, open the batting and then Will Pukowski settles in in the middle order. Um, what do you think, Rambo? Which way do you reckon they're leaning towards at the moment? Uh, well, there was an interesting line from Justin in his chat this morning where he said they're looking to come out of the blocks hard on Thursday. I think the, the fact that they've been, their scoring rate's been slow, they've been pretty well pegged down by the, the Indian bowlers up to this point. They, I think they want to get on the front foot a bit. Uh, now, whether 
you can do that with a, a brand new opening combination. Obviously, David Warner is a player who can do that, and he has done that throughout his test career, take it up to the bowlers from ball one. Um, but And Will Bukowski, as we know, is a very free-scoring batter. Uh, but the fact that he hasn't played test cricket, do they want a, a seasoned couple of openers in there to get out of the blocks hard, as Justin said, if they're batting? Um, so that might suggest that they, they want to go with perhaps the Warner-Wade combination. Um, although, in fairness, Matthew Wade's um, been playing the, probably the, the the rock role in his opening career so far, simply because of this, the discipline of the Indian bowlers. So uh, that would, uh, if that means anything, I would say that thinking that way, maybe bring Will Pukowski in the middle order, or if they don't think that his time's right, stick with Travis and young Cameron Green in the middle order. So a uh, bit hard to get a read on at this stage. He's a very wily man, Justin Langer. He is. Uh, it'll be exciting, though, for Australian fans to see Cameron Green and Will Pukowski out there in the middle order batting together at the SCG. It's uh, a real preview of, of generation. Next, there's still those great players in Warner and Smith and, and rising uh, star Labuschagne. Uh, but to see Pukowski and Green out there together would be uh, a real sight for the fans. And it is a big, uh, as much as we know, the huge talent that Will Pukowski is, it, it would be a pretty big ask, wouldn't it, to throw him into a, yeah, a cutthroat test match when the series won all having not played any competitive cricket for the best part of the, a month almost, um, into you know, see how he goes in test cricket out there facing the potentially first over of the of the test. Um, we didn't learn a lot about him in a hurry, but uh, it probably is heaping a fair bit on his shoulders, isn't it? Mm, absolutely. And I don't think there's going to be any changes to the bowling attack. They all seem to pull that well, except for James Pattinson, who's... Hurt his ribs. Shouldn't laugh about that, but he did it while mowing the lawn, I think. Is that right, Rambo? Uh, that's apparently. He tripped over like a stormwater cover or something while mowing his lawn. Um, I don't know anything about uh, James's garden setup, nor whether he was in a ride-on mower and took a tumble off it. Um, there's any number of questions that probably need to be explored further there, but um, uh, you know, much has been made of players in bubble life uh, and how... It can be detrimental. Clearly, leaving the bubble is detrimental. So maybe that's something they'll have to look into, keeping them inside for as long as they can. Let's look at India. Um, they're going to have a change as well. Umesh Yadav's been ruled out of the series. They're losing a fast bowler a game at the moment. So you wouldn't want to be Jasper Bumrah in the next two matches. Um, who do you reckon we're going to replace, uh, India are going to replace Umesh Yadav with? And Rohit Sharma is out of quarantine he's been training with the Indian team uh, he looks set to come in but who for Rambo uh, yes now these are very good questions um, we did see during the, the Dettol ODIs and T20 series uh, Nataranjan coming in he was the Yorker bowling specialist in the final overs he's been added to the, the test squad or he's in the wing so he could be a chance um, you'd have to think that the rest of the bowl is remains intact, isn't it? You know, Ashwin and Jadeja as the spinners and Bumrah and Mohammed Suraj who made such an impressive debut in Melbourne. So it's whether they have someone there that can uh, come in as a the specialist third steamer, whether it's someone who might share the new ball with Bumrah uh, is a question. Um, I don't know how many Yorkers you need in a test match. Uh, I don't know if you need to bowl five and over as he was doing in the ODI stuff, but 
They never know. They've been keeping the run rate down, so maybe they want to get it down even further. Uh, as for the, the batting spot, uh, that's a very good question. Um, Rohit Sharma, you think, would, as vice-captain, would have to come straight in. Uh, has opened a lot, particularly in white ball cricket. Um, Agarwal, Mayank Agarwal hasn't been in a particularly great form, although he did top score in that famous second innings in Adelaide with nine. Um, and Vahari also struggling a bit, Got a, made a couple of starts and hasn't gone on. So I guess it's just a question of whether they see Rowett as a opening option or a, a picking up the pace middle order option, given they've got Pajara and Rahane who can soak up a lot of balls. So I guess that's part of the pondering that goes on. Yeah, and they've got a good balance for their team at the moment with Ashwin and Jadeja playing. So they've got those two spinning options. Should the SCG pitch spin? No one's really had a look at it yet, given the teams only arrived in Sydney a couple of days ago. And I think they're having their first proper training session today ahead of the first day on Thursday. Um, it's kind of hard to get a read of the conditions, but uh, it seems to think that India will be suited to this pitch if it is slower and lower and does take some turn. But Australia have a fairly imperious record at the Sydney Cricket Ground, having lost only two of their past 25 test matches. And they were both against England. Uh, one was a dead rubber way back in 2003, where Steve Ball hit that famous century off the last ball of the day. So even though that uh, those conditions might suit India, they seem to have uh, suited Australia pretty well over the years. Uh, yes. And uh, I wonder if that's historically also, it's normally the last test of the summer, isn't it? So if you're here for a four or five test series you probably as a touring party you're probably being a bit weary by that stage and uh it can australia's a pretty ruthless opponent if they get on top during the course of the summer so there's been a lot of tests where we've seen yeah touring teams limping into the final game and having to make changes to their personnel and that might play into it as well uh but there's also the weather factor yes sam i gather like it's been very very wet there i'm just I'm looking at my zoom weather map here which of course tells me what sydney weather's like and it looks like it's been a bit sodden for the last week or so yes that's right it was a big storm yesterday and uh, having a look at the the forecast rain is forecast for pretty much every day uh thursday and friday yeah and then cloudy with a slight chance for the remaining three days so it wouldn't be a sydney test without at least one rain delay so i reckon you could expect that might be another reason why uh Australia haven't lost in the, only twice in the past 25 years because there's a few draws mixed in there as well. I'm sure they were rain-affected. Let's get to your bowl prediction, Rambo. Uh, Adelaide, Australia won there comprehensively after that uh, stellar second-innings bowling performance, then came back down to earth in Melbourne with India, levelling the series. Which way is going to go in Sydney? At the risk of sounding parochial, uh, I'll probably be leaning towards the home team. That sounds parochial, doesn't it? Um, there's a couple of things the, underpinning that bold assumption. Um, the fact that they can't, they have to go and get a score on the board at some point, I would think. Um, the fact that they've not gone and made over 200 in any of their innings thus far, then what includes a not out innings in Adelaide, obviously chasing a small total, but that you have to think would have to change at some point. And the fact that they've been able to maintain an unchanged bowling attack, which is in pretty good nick. Um, India, as you say, lost a, a couple along the way due to injury, unfortunately. Uh, so with that bowling attack, the fact they've had a, a pretty lengthy break between Melbourne and Sydney, which is unusual. It's normally a couple of days. This will be more than a week by the time they get started. So um, that is uh, underpinning my 
view that the, the home team might rally again, which would set up a, a cracking finish in Brisbane or wherever it is. Yeah, it certainly would. Um, all right, we're going to take a little break now to hear from Glenn McGrath, but after that, we're going to finish off the show with some play it or leave it. Are you going to stick around, Rambo? Why not? I'm here. Glenn McGrath, thanks for coming on the Unplayable podcast. We're speaking ahead of the Vodafone Pink Test, which helps raise funds and awareness for breast cancer treatment through the McGrath Foundation. Some huge numbers here, Glenn. Since 2005, the foundation has placed 154 McGrath breast care nurses in communities all over Australia. These nurses have helped some 91,000 people and their families get through what can be a very difficult time. Glenn, what does all that mean to you? And I understand there's a new initiative being launched this year. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so no, it's uh, absolutely incredible to hear those numbers just blows me away. I think back to 2005 when we launched the McGrath Foundation and even before that when we first told our story, we thought if we by sharing um, our journey through breast cancer, if we can help uh, one person, then it's worthwhile. And to be sitting here now and those numbers, 154 McGrath breast care nurses uh, right across Australia uh, and over 91,000 families have benef- benefited from the nurses is incredible. Uh, yeah, so the support's been amazing, uh, but you know, we still have a bit of a way to go. I think our goal is around about 250 uh, nurses to cover the whole country, uh, and to do that would be uh, yeah, absolutely incredible. So uh, yeah, very special times at the foundation, but obviously with last year, um, with COVID, and, and it's a different world now, isn't it? And uh, we're doing things more virtually. Um, the Sydney Pink Test this year will only have 25% of the spectators. Um, so, yeah, we're just looking at new ways to do um, or to raise money to provide that support. And, and one of those is uh, with the Sydney Test is uh, about people sitting at home. They can buy a virtual seat, uh, jump online, pinktest.com.au. Uh, uh, each seat's $20 and you can have your name on the seat. Um, and that's another way you can support the McGraw Foundation. So through pinktest.com.au, there's lots of different things from the virtual seats to the auctions again, which is the the players, uh, pink baggies, uh, shirts. There's lots of other items, including uh, a a six day trip, uh, flying around the Australian Outback hosted by myself with with Outback by Air, a company that uh, I've partnered with a good mate of mine we've set up. Um, So yeah, there's, there's lots of things happening. People can still support the foundation uh, even if they don't get to the SCG and they can host a pink party. Um, my wife and, uh, and kids at home are, are doing that. And, um, so, yeah, it's, it's all about keeping the pink in the pink test and, you know, and doing what we can to have a positive difference in, in other people's lives. Yeah, it's brilliant work, Glenn. Uh, you mentioned 250 breast care nurses. Are there any other goals for the pink test this year? Um, our main goal for the for the pink test is to raise one million dollars, which will fund another or additional seven McGrath breast care nurses, and they'll support over seven hundred families going through breast cancer. So, you know, we've set ourselves a fairly lofty goal, but you know, the support for the pink test over the previous twelve years um, through Cricket Australia, uh, SCG Trust, the way people have come together, uh, we've raised over nine million dollars during that time. So it seems to get bigger and better every year. Uh, and we're hoping that uh, that people sitting at home can still enjoy the cricket uh, while uh, supporting you know, something close to, to my heart. And I'm sure they know people, whether friends or family, that have, going through, have been through breast cancer. So uh, you can still have a positive impact on, on people's lives going through breast cancer. 
the McGrath Foundation has just grown so much over the past 16 or so years. Um, does it kind of blow you away, just the kind of reach and impact it's had? Yeah, oh, without a doubt that, you know, to the support we've received uh, early on, our focus was very much rural and regional Australia. Being a country boy, uh, I know how tough it is being out in the bush and the distances you have to travel uh, for, for services, for treatment, and they're not necessarily available where you live. So, you know, to, to get the nurses out there was was important. Uh, and now we're sort of focusing on more urban um, centres, sort of outlying uh, suburbs of major cities. So, yeah, you know, to, to think we've uh, supported so many people. Our nurses are, are now setting a new standard of cancer care, not only in Australia, but around the world. And to think that uh, that they're achieving that, um, you know, just makes me so, so proud. And can you tell us again how um, fans and people willing, wanting to support can get their virtual seat where they can go to get that? Yeah, so uh, jump online, pinktest.com.au. So it's, it has a list of everything you can do to, to support the foundation from virtual seats to bidding on auction items to how to host your own pink party uh, and a whole range of other things that you can do to, to really keep the pink in this pink test and you know, pink up at home, you know, half my wardrobe's pink. Uh, but uh, yeah, you know, to see the pink test, the thing that I think is incredible, when you see big burly blokes coming to the to the cricket dressed in pink, you know you've achieved something special. And over the last 12 years, I've heard a lot of stories where people sitting at home, you know, they pink up and support the foundation. And th this way you can take it even a step further. So as I said, pinktest.com.au, everything's there, how you can support the foundation through this pink test. Glenn, if you're hosting a pink party, who are three of your former teammates that you'd invite over and love to see them in the pink? Um, yeah, it'd be interesting. I, I guess, uh, you know, all my fast bowling teammates, part of the FBC, we call ourselves a fast bowling cartel. You know, Jason Gillespie, Brett Lee, Casper, Damien Fleming, uh, Andy, B you know, I could go Mitchell Johnson. There's so many. So you'd probably go uh, uh, fast bowlers without a doubt. You'd have more fun. Uh, it, it'd be... Uh, it, yeah, good value. Though, yeah, I might invite the odd batsman. You know, uh, Matty Hayden, uh, always got on well with Haydos, uh, being a, a fellow country boy, even though he's from Queensland, but that's a, a different story. Um, so, yeah, there's so many, you know, there's not a single one of my teammates that I probably wouldn't, you know, from from Gilly to Warney. You know, Steve Wall lives just uh, near me down in uh, down the Shire in Cronulla. So, uh, yeah, to limit to, to three would probably be a challenge. All right, uh, just onto the, the match itself. You've been watching the series over there in India. What have you made of, of this series so far? It's one all heading into the pink test. Yeah, no, it's been an interesting series. I thought it would be dominated by the bowlers. I thought whichever batting lineup handled the, the bowling attack better would win. Um, and that they haven't let us down, the bowlers. You know, both two of the world's best uh, bowling attacks. Uh, the first test was probably going slightly India. It was going India's way until that... Uh, second innings where it was just incredible bowling. That's as good as I've seen where there was just not a single bad ball bowled. Uh, and to knock England over for 36 was incredible. Uh, and that basically set up the win for them. Then to go to to Melbourne, um, they would have gone there with a lot of confidence. It would have been an interesting toss if India had won and they batted first to see how they would have handled it. But, you know, you've got to give credit to, to India, the way they batted, the changes they made. Uh, had a big impact, and uh, Ajinka Rahani really stepped up with his, uh, you know, getting the opportunity to captain the, the side again. And uh, I think they they showed um, how to handle those conditions and 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 bat against the a quality uh, bowling attack. 
I was a little disappointed in our batsmen. You know, I thought they they were a little negative. They didn't show intent. They weren't being proactive, and they just sat back. And it was more about survival rather than looking to score runs and put the uh, onus back on the bowlers. So, you know, I I think that's where you know Australia let themselves down a bit. They dropped a few catches in the field, which is quite unusual. So. I think going to Sydney now, they would have all had a good think about it. Dave Warner coming back in the side should give a little bit of a lift as well. Uh, but I'd like to see the batsmen go out and and bat without fear and just back themselves and 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 go out and see what they can do. So it's it's going to be a, a a good test match. I think going in one all um, is uh, is sort of nicely situated. Australia need to uh, win at least one of these two test matches. And if India win one of the last two, then they retain the Border Gavaska Trophy. So there's still a lot riding on it. Yeah, you would have heard over there um, the comparisons of the bowling attacks. You've got Stark, Hayeswood, Cummins and Lyon. They're being compared mm. to McGrath, Glee, Gillespie and Warren. Um, two fantastic attacks, played a similar number of games. Just on the current crop, the current attack, um, where do you see them in, in terms of like you know the best Aussie bowling attacks that we've had? I, I think they're right up there. They're a quality unit and they've been a quality unit for a long, long time. And that's why Australia's number one in the world at, at test level because of their bowling attack. And, you know, they're as, they're as good as we've ever had, I think, um, for, for the Australian side. Um, they just, they just uh, come together so well. You know, Mitchell Stark has that X factor. He's a wicket taker. When he's on song, he's as good as anyone going around. He bowls such attacking uh, lines and lengths and, and swings the ball, gets it up there. Uh, Mitchell Stark, uh, sorry, uh, Pat Cummins and Josh Hazelwood, you know what you're going to get from them, just quality, consistent, good control. Uh, and then Nathan Lyon, they call him the GOAT, the greatest of all time for, uh, le- for leading Australian off-spin bowler in wickets. So there's just no uh, there's no weak link there. So, yeah, and that attack that they, um, or that second innings at Adelaide, there was just not a single bad ball bowled. And if you continue to do that, you're going to knock teams over all the time. So, yeah, this attack is as good as Australia's had. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, we'll let you go with one last question, Glenn, and this is one of your, your many skills. Um, you know that you can name any of your 563-odd <laughs> test wickets. So we're going to put you to the test here. Can you, can you name number 261? Number 261, you're putting the pressure on me, aren't you? Yeah. So I'm trying to, trying to think. I think 250 was... Um, was uh, Ijaz Ahmed down in, in Pakistan. Um, and then from there, I think I had around about 250, I think 258 test wickets when I left that. So it would have been my third wicket at uh, Adelaide Oval. Um, yeah, I think it's, I'm trying to think when I got Sachin out, that might've been uh, LBW hitting the shoulder. I think that might've been number 262 though, I think. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to. Would have been maybe my first wicket at um, in the second innings, was it? I think I took two in the in the first. I'm trying to think who it would be. Let's have a look. I'm pretty sure it is Tendulkar getting hit is on it, the arm. Is it Sachin? Well, yeah. there you go. That's a very famous uh, one. I was, I was out by one then, but it's uh, around that. Yeah. Well, I think it's a, a pretty good guess, nonetheless. Um, <laughs> does that get brought up much over there? Uh, yeah, bits and pieces. They sort of putting me under pressure. Um, uh, on the Sony podcast to uh, to sort of work out certain batsmen, but I can remember all the major week milestones from fifty, you know, one hundred to uh, you know one fifty, two hundred, and then how many wickets I took each tour and and things like that. I'm a little bit rusty 
uh, now compared to when I played. But uh, yeah, the old brain does uh, work a little bit uh, uh, every now and then. So uh, yeah, my motivation was taking wickets, and and uh, it's it's amazing what you can recall. <laughs> Your, your county might be better than mine because you're right. Tendulkar was the fourth wicket you took at Adelaide. So maybe he is 262. But anyway, yeah. a, a famous wicket. Do you reckon that would have um, been upheld if there was DRS these days? I, I still think it was out. It was uh, one of those balls. I tried to bowl a bouncer. It didn't bounce. And uh, Sachin, he's not the tallest guy going around. With um, I caught up with him a couple of days ago and uh, you know, he ducked. I reckon I could see the bales uh, over, over the top of him. And I've seen... Uh, a, footage I think the ball has uh, has reached its peak and it's on its way down so I still say it's out it's hitting the stump Sachin said it's clearly going over so I think we'll continue to have that uh, uh, yeah, discussion for, for years to come Fantastic well mate thank you so much for your time all the best with the pink test and I hope to see you again soon No worries Cheers Thanks Sam I'm Pat Cummins now it's time for Play It or Leave It that was Glenn McGrath. We're back with Andrew Ramsey for Play It or Leave It. And Rambo, you know how this goes. I'm going to bowl you a scenario and you're going to decide to play it or leave it. We'll start off with uh, the first one. Cameron Green, he's in the side as a batter and his bowling's a bonus. We had to see the young fella take a wicket. So Cameron Green will take a wicket in the SEG test. Oh, yes, I'd, I'd play it that one. Uh, I think he's, uh, he's shown enough in his... Uh, Stints at the bowl increased to date to suggest he'd probably been unlucky not to get a wicket. And if you're bowling from 198 centimetres, which is just a couple of centimetres shorter than you, Samuel, um, you know how much you know you can extract from a, a wicket, particularly one that might be a little bit rain affected. So uh, I'm backing him in for this test. He might not get a chance to get that many overs, but if he does, he's a very good option, I think. Yes, Cameron Green and I share the same number of test wickets. Uh, Cameron Green searching for his first one. Nathan Lyon is on the verge of his 400th. He's only a handful away. So Nathan Lyon to get his 400th test match wicket on his home turf at the SCG. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave that one. Ooh. I've uh, employed a new research team that I've managed to uh, recruit during the, the various lockdowns. They've informed me that he averages four wickets a test at the SCG over his uh, career to date. And given that he needs six to reach 400, I think, is according to their abacus that they sent me, um, I think he might get it in Brisbane in the final test. So oh, that's my uh, little bit of number crunching for the day. Interesting. He took 10 the last time he played there, though, Rams. So you're going to ignore that. Oh, they don't fill me with that level of information. They just give me <laughs> the broad brush stuff and expect me to do a bit of the other work, which clearly I've not done. <laughs> All right. Nathan Lyon's going to have to wait till his 100th test match to get his 400th wicket. That's, uh, that's fair on Nathan. And it makes for a better storyline too, doesn't it? 100th wicket, 400th, or 400th wicket, 100th test. It just all dovetails beautifully. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a team man. He doesn't want to spread out the milestones, does Nathan Lyon. Uh, i tell you who would like it to, to uh, post a milestone would be Steve Smith. He's absolutely battling this series, which is very unlike the former number one batsman in the world, Kane Williamson, has uh, taken that mantle now. So Steve Smith, uh, what's he averaging? Three, three and a third uh, at the moment in this test series and hasn't been out there for very long. So um, will Steve Smith or Steve Smith will pass 50 in one of the two innings you'd expect uh, in this test match, Steve Smith to score a half century, Rambo? Uh, yes, I'll, I'll play at that one. I think that... Uh 
we saw what happened when he found his hands before the uh, one day series and he came out and he made consecutive hundreds. Um, I don't know where his hands have gone since then. He may have misplaced them in one of the many, many sets of gloves that he carries with him. Um, but I think it's, it's not so much finding his hands as uh, losing his leg stump that was the problem last time. Um, got so far across his stump that he uh, managed to see his leg bail trickle off. So if we know anything, Samuel, over the past few days, he would have been working furiously, hitting hundreds and hundreds and thousands of balls. Uh, and I think once he's, if he's rediscovered his hand during that break, then I think it's 50 plus is on the, if he gets in, I think he may be in for a while. Mm. We've, we've, we've peeled these back a little bit. Last, uh, t- last podcast we spoke to Mike Hussey, it was Cameron Green to get two or more wickets, Steve Smith to score a hundred. Mike Hussey played at both of those. So we're bringing them down a little bit for, for you Rambo and hopefully, uh, these modest targets can be met by the Australians. And we can't pair them back much further. Otherwise it would be the last test would be, will Cameron Green get a bowl and will Steve Smith get off the mark? I mean, that's, uh, that's where we're heading with this. It's trending that way. All right, let's stick with the batters, Rambo. Rohit Sharma, we spoke to him before, I uh, spoke about him before. Uh, he looks like he's going to play. And as we know, he's one of the most destructive limited overs players probably the world's ever seen. Um, not so much in the test match arena. However, he can hit a long ball. And uh, if he gets in Rohit Sharma to hit at least one six in the third test. Well, no, I'm going to leave that. I think uh, the heavy weight of responsibility on a vice captain would mean that uh, you'll resist that temptation. And I think, again, I'm putting a lot of faith in my research team here. Um, I think there's only been two sixes hit in the series so far. And I think Nathan Lyon may have hit one of them in Adelaide. Um, so I think it's been such a ball-dominated contest. Um, the Caveat there might be, you know, a top edge that flies over the slips and uh, clears the rope. But no, I'm thinking he'll he'll be playing very much sensibly, sedately, and uh, uh, he'll be keeping the ball along the ground. Yeah, I think if he does hit a six, it'll be off Nathan Lyon. So better watch out for that. And if David Warner returns, <laughs> maybe there'll be more sixes, depending on how that groin goes. Uh, if he can dance down the wicket to India's spinners or, like you said, top edge of six into the member stand. Got 100 in the first session four years ago. So he, uh, he knows how to score big runs at the SCG. Just on, Warner, Rambo, have you ever done a groin? Uh, no, and I had to actually look up uh, when he was first pronounced as having an adductor muscle mm. problem. I don't know where the adductor was. I thought the adductors were people who came in and took you out of your home and held you for ransom. So I thought that was a bit strange to have suffered that during cricket match. But no, no, I uh, I, I once jagged a fetlock trying to uh, get to the breakfast buffet quickly, but um, that came good after a couple of weeks. You jagged a what? A fetlock. What's that? I think it's just connected to the adductor, but it normally affects racehorses. So I was clearly out of the barrier too quickly once they brought out the, the fresh serving of toast. Yeah, just take it easy at breakfast time, Rambo. Okay, um, as we know that uh, there's going to be reduced crowds, only 25%. And if there is a six hit, will we see a crowd catch, Rambo? Uh, now, this plays into COVID restrictions because from what I'm understanding, if the ball does go into the crowd and it's touched by a member of the, the, uh, the viewing public, then it needs to be thrown back to the field the fielder who then takes it back to the umpire has to have the hands disinfected. The ball has to be disinfected. Um, I suppose the umpire has to then disinfect his own hands. 
Um, so it becomes quite a thing. So maybe they've been told not to hit sixes because of the COVID oh. risk, but I, I don't know if that comes into the playing conditions or not. But um, So you'd have to think, you'd have to discourage crowd catching for that reason. Maybe just let it hit the seat, bounce back and kick it back with your foot or something. I don't know how the way around that is or pick it up with surgical gloves on, which you then dispose of thoughtfully in a bin. Um, but problematic crowd catches, so no, I don't think we'll be seeing that. They need to get those KFC buckets, catch it in a bucket and then just sort of shovel it over the boundary back to the players. I don't know what the disinfectant wipes, what properties they have for the ball either, because like you can't use saliva alcohol-based, so I don't know. These are things that will probably be explored down the track. The ball comes your way in the crowd, jump out of the way and let it find its own way back onto the field somehow. Well, maybe that's a tactic. They'll try and concede a six, get a hit into the stands, someone throws it back, then they have to disinfect the ball and then it's got that uh, sticky sanitizer on it and they can shine it up. It's the only way they can do it. Uh Yes, I'd be interested to see how that works. Uh, that's a minefield, that line of discussion, isn't it? Yeah, it's a drastic way to, get to, to shine the ball, uh, conceding six runs. But anyway, let's go to our yeah, final. Yeah, the crowd so socially distanced. The chances of there being a person where the ball lands is probably significantly reduced, isn't it? Absolutely. That's why I think it'd be so rare to see. It's why it probably will happen. Just, you've got to expect the unexpected, Rambo. Wow, so not only will there be a six against the trend of the series, there'll be a catch taken in the socially distanced crowd. Yep, that's what's going to happen. And then finally, uh, the, the punters that do get in, they'll see a result. There'll be a result in this test match. It's gone from three days to four days, weather permitting. Um, might go five days in Sydney, but we're going to see a, a winner and a loser and there'll be a, a real decider up there in Brisbane one way or the other. I think so. I think there'll be a result given the, the way the the previous two test matches have panned out. And I think from memory, it's been a while since we, we don't get that many live test matches in Sydney, as we've spoken before. It's normally the end of the series and often they've been run and won by then. Um, so to have not only a, the, been the penultimate test, which means there's one to go, I think that means, um, after the Sydney test, but the fact that it's poised at one all, series is very much alive. So... Uh, bit of weather around, we may see a day five result. We've had a day three result, day four result. I'm going for a day five result. Um, and that would set it up beautifully for a fourth test at the Gabba. Well, that uh, wraps up our preview of the third Vodafone, the pink test at the SCG. Rambo, thanks for coming on, mate. Just take it easy on your way to the breakfast buffet the next time you're there. That's a good thing about the, uh, the, the lockdown, Samuel. I do my own breakfast and there's no race here. I can get to it at a leisurely pace. That's it for this episode of the Unplayable Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any of Ricky Ponting's recaps after each day's play this test summer. But until then, for all your live scores, breaking news and video highlights, head to cricket.com.au and the C8 Live app. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.